is Becca in Millhaven. Just saying, I am Tom Becca. And I am McGraw Millhaven, and I'd like to know why your name comes first in this. Because I'm the important one. Uh, by the way, just saying, just saying, let me start off today since the, the show is called Just Saying. Let me tell you something here that'll be a little bit of information here that should make everybody's life a lot easier. You don't realize how much you use your thumb until after you've caught it in a car door. Hmm, Tom, how do you know that? Because my I was telling you before, my nephews came to town for the College World Series. And so I'm dropping one of them off, one of them off at the airport. And, you know, so I go to get the uh, stuff, uh, you know, to, you know, parked over to the side, got out of the car to go and get the suitcase and all that. So I don't want to slam the car door. I just want to sort of like gently close it. And I wasn't paying attention and I got it caught in the door. And I will tell you, it, it doesn't hurt like right now, but if I try to button my shirt or something, you know, when you got to use your thumb, it sucks. Uh, how does it feel when you jam your thumb up your ass? That's got to really hurt. Actually, it's rather soothing. <laughs> it's just... You are, you are the sickest mother I know. Why, why would you even say something like that? What because I know you. That makes you say, oh, speaking of which, speaking of which, so I was listening to your show the other day on KTRS.com. Yes. Uh, McGraw Millhaven in the mornings on KTRS.com. I was listening to your show the other day, and you were going to tell a joke, but your co-host wanted you to tell it, but then you said, no, I can't tell it. And it was like a joke that you stole or something. What was this joke? Oh, man. Um Oh, <laughs> it was a Father's Day joke. It was a okay. Father's Day joke. And I think I stole it from you, actually. What is it? It was um, uh, on Mother's Day, baseball games, base, professional Major League Baseballs use pink bats to promote breast cancer for Mother's Day. Why, why don't for Father's Day to promote prostate cancer, they use blue balls? <laughs> that is one of my favorite jokes. That is one of my that is one of my favorite jokes. Yeah, that is without a doubt my one of my all time favorite jokes. I've stolen that from you for years. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because Major League Baseball to promote breast cancer was using pink bats. Uh, you know, like like in October or something, whatever it was. Breast no, cancer. Mother's Day for for in was it Mother's Day. Yeah, for Mother's yeah. Day. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so for prostate cancer, they should use blue balls. But anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking about blue balls, how you doing, McGraw? Oh, how am I doing? I survived Father's Day. Yeah, this is what, your second Father's Day? My second Father's Day uh, that I know of. Uh, my sisters came into town and uh, <laughs> they went to Hobby Lobby and bought paints and tub paints and spray paints and bubbles and more toys. And so they, you know, they opened it all up. It was like a hurricane in my house. And it was all for Father's Day. Meanwhile, they didn't do one thing for me. They did it all for my daughter. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know. And did Emerson buy you a tie or anything? Some nothing. I got nothing anything? from her. She's almost two, and I got bupkis from her. Yeah, that damn kid. They're so unappreciative. Here's another joke that I stole recently, um, and that is on Mother's Day, they tell you, stay away from mom. Let her do her own thing. Give her a day off. She's not cooking. Just let mom have her day. And on Father's Day, they tell you, why don't you go hang out with your father? Well, yeah. yeah it's like, yeah, for Mother's Day, you take her out to a nice restaurant. You right. go out for breakfast or brunch or something. Take her out for a nice meal, right? Mom, no, Mom, you don't cook. For Father's Day, it's, hey, Dad, happy Father's Day. Here are a couple steaks. <laughs> uh, you know, go, go hit the grill. Right, right. Hey, look, Dad, like, can we be honest here? Dads always get screwed in the deal. Dads always get the short end of the stick, you know? I think dads prefer to grill. That's the one day they, this is my day. Let me grill and watch the U.S. Open. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Father's Day, Father's Day wasn't very big in my house, so I don't really know what you do for Father's Day. Well, that's true, because, yeah, your Father's Day, um, uh, yeah, you, you not to bring up a sore point here, but your dad wasn't around a lot. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Tom. I appreciate that. Um, There's another 10 years of therapy I got to go through. I heard you talking about it on your radio show today or the on Monday. Uh, yeah, no, he wasn't around much. So really we didn't, you know, I, I had like 75 mothers, um, but I didn't have any fathers. 
Yeah. No, I mean, if, seriously, if you want to find out a little bit about what uh, McGraw's background, get a copy of the book, The Tender Bar. Uh, don't watch the movie on, uh, was it a Netflix? No, it's Amazon. Don't watch the movie on Amazon because it's not really all that accurate as far as McGraw's life is concerned. But, uh, but yeah, but if you watch, if you uh, read The Tender Bar on the book, uh, you'll get at least a, a little insight into uh, McGraw's upbringing. So are we going to talk a little news today or no? You got to talk news today, man. What a, what a news day. What a, you know. Okay. So first of all, you are in Missouri. Yes. Talk to me about Eric Brighton's. Here's the weirdest thing of all. So he's a former Democrat. He, he, you know, go back and look at the tapes. He was on John Stewart a number of times promoting these books. He was a Navy SEAL, came back, and he was going to be like this new Army Navy SEAL hero veteran Democrat. And so they were pumping him up as like the, the next generation of Democrats who were going to, you know. And uh, he went to Obama's speech at Mile High Stadium and was a Democrat through and through. And then for whatever reason, he decided that he wanted to become a Trump Republican. So I don't know how you make that transformation, but he, he made that transformation. He runs for governor. He wins. He resigns one year, almost one year to the day later after allegations of uh, abusing a mistress. Uh, the Republican, the, the veto proof Republican legislature in Missouri was looking to impeach him. Um, he stole the email list from his charity that he started to help veterans to raise money for his campaign, resigns in disgrace. Now he's running for the U.S. Senate. He is, um, his wife has since divorced him. Uh, she's moved to uh, Texas. Uh, she has now alleged that he was violent to her. She has alleged that um, she had to hide his guns from him. Um, that he was on some type of watch, that he was abusive to her and her children and their children. And now he's running for U.S. Senate and he's leading it in all the polls and he comes out. It's not even an ad. It's like a it's like a Twitter video, really. I don't really know if it's actually been on TV, but his main goal was to create, you know, to to be as offensive as possible, to have the normal society recoil in this ad and to have the, uh, you know, the 20% of re Republicans who want to blow everything up, love it because that's all he needs. Cause he's in a six person race for the U S Senate nomination. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it is, I, I have said, and I've, I've joked about this, but the joke was kind of not a joke is that he is one more scandal away from locking up this nomination another mistress, another story of him beating up his wife or his children, because he can then say the, you know, George Soros funded liberal media is picking on me and we're going to fight back. And, you know, these are just these don't, don't, don't listen to these lies. And they would much rather believe him than his wife who says he, you know, beats him up. So it's no, a, I, no, I mean, it is so freaking weird right now about, you know, I mean, the, 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 the party of family values, that has no problem with, you know, Trump, Trump uh, you know, uh, uh, cheating on his wife with a porn star when, uh, you know, she just gave birth. He had no problem with a wife abuser who wants to go and kill rhinos. I mean, he wants to go and hunt rhinos, Republicans in name only. These are people in his own party he wants to hunt down. Oh, they going to like tag him and bag him? And there was like no limit? I mean, the, the, this video was like just frightening as hell. I was going to play it on the radio. And then I was like, wait a minute, Facebook's not even going to play it. Facebook, it, 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 if, it, if it broke Facebook standards, what, how can I play it on my FCC radio station? I put it on Twitter, but Twitter has like a, a warning on it beforehand. You know? Um, yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that really somebody needs to explain to me. And that is, you have other people running against him in this uh, uh, Republican primary. Let's just take one of them, this guy, Eric Schmidt, who's the attorney general. It isn't like Eric Reitens has some policy that you can point to to say, oh, man, 
I really like that policy, right? This guy, Eric Schmidt, is a tried and true conservative. He's an attorney general. He's tough on crime. He sued all the schools for anti, he's an anti-masker. So, right, he's that. And he's for smaller government. He's for more guns. He's for no abortions. All the same policy. But he doesn't have an abusive wife allegation on him. He didn't, uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, he didn't resign in disgrace. He hasn't cheated on his wife. So they're not voting for Eric Reitens for a policy reason. They're voting on him because it's a cult of personality, right? I mean, it isn't like you can't get the same guy without the baggage. They want the guy with the most baggage possible. Well, that's you talk about policy. Okay, so you tell me with those people that went in the insurrection on January sixth, they wanted to hang Mike Pence, they wanted to you know turn the the uh, the election around, right? Those people, tell me what their platform was. Tell me what they were really striving for. Because yeah, all, all those, they right, all they wanted was Trump as president. They they yeah. wanted Mike Pence to. To right, the only right they would agree with Mike Pence in everything except the fact that Mike Pence wouldn't break the law. Uh, no, <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, what? Oh, let me ask you this, and I and I mean this sincerely, and I know that you know I'm going to get some shit from this from people, you know. It's like, but really, what is a Republican right now, other than just being we hate Joe Biden, we hate the Democrats, we hate Nancy Pelosi? What do they actually stand for anymore? Well, there's I mean, now, now, now that it looks like they're going to get their abortion thing. Uh, well, if they get the abortion thing, then really, what else do they really stand for? Well, uh, they hate Mexicans. I mean, is that what are they? What, who are they? So I think and this goes back to the January 6th stuff. I really think there's a war within the Republican Party. And hence this rhino, you know, hunting rhinos video. Um, you have a whole bunch of Republicans who are standing up for the for the rule of law. Right. Everyone on January 6th, all these Republicans who are, you know, just just so tired of Trump and the lies and everything else. And then you have the Republican Party who is who's the cult of personality. And so it has nothing to do with Democrats. It has nothing to do with Nancy Pelosi. It has nothing to do with any right. The liberal media. It's the party is at war with itself. And so you're just going to have to wait until, you know, those people who consider themselves conservative are, uh, are Republicans who, like a Liz Cheney, either create their own party or, you know, morph into Democrats or, you know, blue dog Democrats or something along those lines, because the party is at war with itself. Well, let me ask you this, OK? I mean, you're a relatively smart man because I used to be a Republican. Uh, you know, I was more of a moderate Republican, right? But I still used to be a Republican. And I know people that, you know, that are Democrats, right? That are moderate Democrats, but they can't go along with AOC and uh, Bernie Sanders right. and Elizabeth Warren and all that, right? So what happens to the vast majority of people that are in the middle? People that are like rational, intelligent people that don't necessarily, you know, have to uh, go to the extremes. What, where do they go? Where do they turn? Where is their America? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. That's why ranked choice voting is so interesting. And that's why open primaries is so interesting. Or, you know, just sort of voting, not taking a Republican or a Democratic ballot. Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's the crazies. The crazies are running the asylum. Okay. Before you go any further on this, and I want, I want to hear more of what you have to say about it. But before we go any further, because you talked about ranked choice voting, and I could not agree with you more on this. But for people that haven't heard of it or don't know really what it is, explain ranked choice voting. 30 seconds, go. Okay. You have five candidates in a race. You rank your candidates one through five. I want candidate B and then C and then A, and D, and E, okay? Well, let's do it. I rank them A, B, C, A, B, C, D, E. Okay. So now comes, they count up all the votes the first time, and candidate A, my choice, only got 10% of the number one vote. So they kick candidate A out. 
And then they count them all again, okay? And then candidate B only got 14% of the vote, right? Of the, of the number one votes left, right? Um, and then so they kick him out and then they go to D or C and they keep going until they have a majority of people uh, over 50% and that's that's the winner. Well, what it is basically, so, okay, so if you vote for this person to be number one, they get, uh, let's I, I, whatever they might be, uh, devil's in the details, but let's say five points for number one, three points for number two, and one point for number three. And right. so you vote for one, you know, one, two, and three, and then whoever has the most total points. So you could be everybody's second favorite choice and win the nomination. Correct. You know, yeah, so, you, you know, you may not be their first choice, but if everybody's second choice, you would win the nomination. And and this, to me, shows a way that's like, you know what? I'm not going to go and be uh, bad mouth in my opposition so much because I at least want to be your second choice. And 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 you've got people here that, that if they go and if their second choice wins, they don't hate them so much because it's like, well, at least it was my second choice. Whereas now, if your second choice loses and he's out and you hate the first choice, now you've got that, that whole anger issue here, right? Well, but it also stops. It also stops the uh, the stalking horse, right? You have six people get in. They all split the vote, and the whack job gets in, right? Yeah. So you've got a whack job who's got twenty five percent of the vote. Everybody else splits all the other vote and gets twenty percent, and the one whack job gets twenty five percent, where seventy five percent of the people voted against him, but he wins the election because he has twenty five percent of the vote. And, you know, that's something that I've noticed here and talking, looking at some of the uh, statistics and everything is that, you know, whenever a Trump candidate wins, he tends to win when there are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine candidates in the race. If it's one on one, he doesn't do so well. I mean, under his administration, he lost the White House. He lost the Congress. He lost the Senate. OK, because one on one, he doesn't do so well, like in generals and stuff. But in a primary, when they've got five, six, seven, eight candidates going and he endorses one. He does okay there because he just needs a small percentage of the vote. Well, that's that that's how he won the primaries, right? He yeah. kept on winning 20% of the primaries and there were 17 people running. So everybody else got, you know, 10% of the vote and he got 15% of the vote. And so he carried the day when 85% of the people voted against him. Now you've got a situation there in Missouri too uh, for the Senate race. So Eric Rydens does this one where he basically put a bounty on my head. I'm, I would be considered a rhino. Right? Well, actually, he would be considered a rhino since he was a Democrat. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't matter. It's what he is now. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, so, so he put a bounty on my head because I'm a rhino. Um, but now you've got a guy running as an independent who's actually on the January 6th uh, commission, right? Yeah, no, this guy, John Wood, has all but announced. It's not official, but it looks like um, he's announced or soon to announce that he's going to run as an independent. And from all accounts, it looks like he's going to be well-financed by Republicans who are, you know, anti-Trump. And so this is a more conservative, this is a Liz Cheney Republican who, you know, believes in reality and, you know, is, is going to run as an independent. Believes in reality. Boy, remember those days? You know, I mean, that, that's that's what's just so freaking weird about everything. And I, look, I don't look, I don't mind. OK, so you and I can disagree on something. OK, if somebody thinks that Trump should have won the election and I think, well, he shouldn't have, we can have that disagreement because you're going with your facts. I'm going with my facts. OK, so we're saying, OK, yeah, you think he should have won. I don't think he should have won. But OK, I can respect your opinion. I think you're wrong. But if you're saying that Trump did win and that's what i'm saying there's like, like trump did win i mean it was just completely void of any reality and how do you respond to that you know giuliani giuliani in testimony this week right they, they, they showed him and he said well you know we don't have any facts but i just feel that trump won the election go with the freaking facts you idiot and you and i you and i have actually it's interesting that you and i are friends because we really agree on virtually nothing um, and yet we're really good friends. Um, what's, what's funny about you and me and friends who disagree 
you can argue about who won the Academy Award in 1975. You can argue who won this game, who did that, right? And you'd be like, no, you know, no, no. And you challenge each other's memory. And then you go to the Almanac, the Googles, and you're like, see, it really was Godfather in 1972. Right. right. 1973, whatever it was. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm wrong. Right. But imagine having a friend who was like, no, fake news. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you're just, 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 just devoid of reality. If and this is any president, not just you know Trump or any Republican, if you can get people to believe that you cannot believe anything that the quote unquote mainstream media says, if you get people to buy into that, imagine the shit you can get away with, regardless of the party. I mean, I'm not just blaming this on Trump or Republicans, because Democrats should do the same thing. If if, if nobody believes what the news is saying, if nobody believes what the evidence is, think of the stuff you can get away with. And that to me is the real danger. Um, I got to go uh, soon because I'm flying to New York to celebrate the 2021 New York Mets World Championship. Um, they, uh, McGraw, um, yeah. uh, they didn't win. What? Say no, the, Mets, the Mets did not win that year, no. George, George Soros, liberal you. My Mets are world champions. You can't deny it. It's obvious. Everybody knows it. How could they not win? I don't have the facts, but that's how they, that's how I feel. I feel that they should have won. You know, I had this happen on Facebook during the election last year, or a couple of years ago. Some guy, my one of my one of my quote unquote Facebook friends, posted something on Facebook, and I said, "Hey, this is a blatant lie, and here's the evidence. Here's why this is a lie." You know, I said, "Please take this down." And the guy said to me, "He said, okay, yeah, okay, so it's a lie, but I'm not taking it down." And I go, "Why?" He says, "Because I like the way it makes me feel." I mean, how do you respond to that? How do you deal with that? And and and, no, and when I when I see when I see these Republicans that I know and that I like and that I respect for the most part, just keeping silent. Well, all of this. But, no, well, you've actually hit on something. You have had conversations with people in private who know they're playing a game, who know they're lying. I mean, we know they're lying because we've heard the tapes. We heard the Kevin McCarthy tapes. Right. We've, we've, we've read the stories. We know that they're laughing at these people who are buying it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and yet they go out and they sell their story and, and they play the game and they're the court jester and they tell people what they want to hear. If you really are a Trumper and you believe he is the man, how can you then carry the water for a Kevin McCarthy or a Eric Greitens? You know they're just telling you what you want to hear, and they're no friend of Donald Trump's. They've all testified against the man. Why are you yelling at me? I didn't hire any of these people, right? It's Donald Trump's people who have turned against him. Turn your ire towards those people. There are things in this life that I would really like, but I'm not willing to lie, cheat, and steal. I'm not willing to lose my integrity to have it. And you see someone like Kevin McCarthy, you know, who who has gone and just basically ruined any integrity that he might have with yeah. the hope that he can someday become Speaker of the House. Yeah. I mean, it's just how bad do you want that to to have to to have to give that up? I mean, I'll say this about Adam Kinzinger, you know, the guy and the same thing with um, Liz Cheney. You know what? Yeah, Liz will probably not win her nomination uh, in uh, Wyoming for the uh She'll win uh, the congressional seat there. She'll win the presidency. And she might be able to, yeah. I mean, as an independent, she would get Democrats voting for her. She would get Democrats voting for her. Uh, I mean, she's a neocon. <laughs> she, she is, she's right of her father. And yet she's loved by Democrats right now. Same as, same as Mike Pence. I mean, Mike, Mike Pence is an American hero. Mike Pence is an American hero. You know, I disagree with him on a lot of issues, all right? But Mike Pence is an American hero. Liz Cheney is an American hero. You know, uh, I mean, the, the Democrats on this committee and all the lawyers and the people doing the investigation, they are American heroes. And I think, little by little, I think Americans are starting to realize this, uh, but there's still a ways to go.
How about the guy? How about the guy? How about the, the Speaker of the House of the Arizona Legislature today testifying that that they went after his daughter who had some health issues, and so he's got to deal with death threats and dealing with his daughter's got some health issues because he decided to um, to to honor the oath to the Constitution and the state of Arizona and not it not fall down this rabbit hole of lies and somehow he's the bad guy. I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's really the, the uh, Republicans used to be the adults in the room. And that's what I liked about the uh, Republican party. Yeah. They were the adults in the room and now the room is rudderless. Remember, remember when the Republicans were so upset because Bill Clinton lied under oath. And, and they went and they went and impeached him on this because he lied under oath. And while, you know, you can make the argument that it was a lie about sex and who hasn't lied under about sex, they were saying, no, this is wrong. And I can't, fundamentally, I can't disagree with them on that. Except these same people now are keeping quiet about all the lies going on regarding our elections. By the way, I, uh, I lied during sex. You just lie there during sex. <laughs> All right. Is that really? This is a family podcast. It's outrageous. Yeah, the Manson uh, family. <laughs> um, are you watching? Can we can we get to a more important topic? Yeah. Um, what are you watching on television? What's your uh what, what are you binge watching now? Uh, what am I binge watching right now? Oh, what am I binge watching? I'm watching, I'm binge watching one that I really liked. And what was it? Um Oh, shit. It was... Uh... You binge watching The Offer on Paramount Plus? That's the one I was thinking of, yes. Oh, where are you in it? Oh, I like episode three or four, yeah. It is so insanely fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it Holy is. Holy mackerel, it is great. And I can't believe how great it is through the entire episode, through the entire, I think it's nine episodes or ten episodes. The last one is as good as the first one. Oh man, it is so good. You know, right now you just pointed out something here. We talk about, you know, the, the, the division in America and stuff like this. This is one of the problems. This is why America is so divided. Cause you and I are watching the same thing, but we're watching it at a different level. So therefore we can't really talk about it. Okay. It used to be, everybody can say, Hey, did you see Carson last night? Did you see Seinfeld? You know, did you see, whatever the show might be. And you'd have, you know, 30, 40% of the, uh, of the people watch it so you can discuss it. There's no shows like that anymore. There's no shows that everybody watches at the same time and says, oh, did you see this? Because um, everyone's watching something different. I mean, I'm watching The Offer. I'm also watching the one with um, uh, uh, Julia Roberts where she's playing um, uh, yeah, Arthur Mitchell. Yeah, I'm watching I was going to start that tonight. Yeah. yeah, I'm watching that. That one gets a little dry in places, but the history is just so fascinating. I, 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 I'm enjoying that. Uh, so there's some other good stuff in there. I also find myself, you know what I've, uh, and I, I shouldn't say this. This is going to really. Yes, you um, should. You know what? I, okay, so when I get on Hulu, you know, they always like show stuff, you know, the, like here's the shows we think you're going to like, right? One of the shows that always pops up is Impractical Jokers. Have you ever watched Impractical Jokers? I have not watched Impractical Jokers. Um, I've this, seen it. I don't really get it. It's is four guys who just bust each other's balls and four friends that don't each other for years and they give each other grief and they all have to do these stunts and stuff like that. And it is just hilarious. It's, it's like a candid camera sort of a show. And I just find it genuinely funny. It's not highbrow humor. There's nothing intellectual about it. It is just a bunch I of guys they do like, acting uh, stupid. It's sort of like candid camera, right? When they sort it's of- It's very do... much like candid camera, but it's, yeah. but it's on a different level though, because it's okay. So look, you, me, uh, the two Jeffs, we've yeah. gone on road trips before, right? Yeah. And we've given each other a hard time. We've teased each other a lot. We've gone and, uh, you know, not necessarily act in the most refined way. Mm-hmm. But that's what these guys do, and it's all on tape, and it's all, they're giving each other these challenges, you know, um, about how they're supposed to act and where they're supposed to stay and things like that. You know, it's so weird about men, right? A man likes another man, and how do you know he likes another man? He makes fun of them, <laughs> right? 
women, women, they'd be, they'd be crying all day long. She said my hair looks, but she said my ass looks fat in these jeans, right? Men are like, hey, your ass looks fat in those jeans. You're like, shut up, right? I mean, it's a very different, it's a very different um, camaraderie between men and women. Yes, and, and as they say in France, viva la difference. Let me, uh, let me, um, let me uh, ruin the offer for you. Uh, Marlon Brando plays Don Corleone. And uh, you know the fight over Al Pacino? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola wins. Al Pacino plays Michael in The Godfather. I don't want to ruin it for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a second time you've ruined the movie for me. I remember when I went to see the Titanic and you told me the ship sank. You know? <laughs> or, or, when I went, or when I went to see La Bamba and you said that it had the same ending as a Richie Valens story. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you are always constantly rooting these movies for me. No, it was the same ending as the Buddy Holly story. In, Buddy Holly uh, story, that's right. Well, it was the same story ending as the Richie Valens story. It was the same movie. <laughs> I drove by that. I drove by their plane crash and missed it. I, I wanted to go see the marker in the field, but I, I like drove past it and didn't see it. Yeah, um, yeah it's like in the middle of a cornfield. But I have, yeah. I've actually done stand-up at the surf uh, ballroom there in uh was it uh what lake uh, clear lake iowa i actually uh, did stand up there one time I was on i was actually on the stage wait, wait 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 was that the last place they played before the the last place they played before really? they got on the on the plane to uh you know the day the music died did you crash and burn just like they did there? i did crash and burn on stage yes <laughs> but that was my whole stand-up career that was my whole stand-up career okay, was, okay. so all right all right little trivia and i know you know the answer to this but i'll ask it anyway who Gave up his seat so that uh, was it, uh, was it Richie Valens or was it Buddy Holly could get on the plane? Who gave up his seat so that oh, one of those guys could get on the plane? Um, I want to say Waylon Jennings, but that's not right. Uh, no, that it? is right. Oh, it is right. Waylon Jennings, yes. Waylon Jennings, huh? Yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was wasn't wasn't Alan Freed on that, or wasn't a wasn't a, a DJ on no, that? No, that was a, it, no, it was it was like the Dick Clark Caravan of Stars. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I tell you what, Clark. the Buddy Holly story with um, Gary Busey is fantastic. That's a great movie. There's a guy. Well, of course, he was in a motorcycle accident, so where he uh, hit his head and everything. So I guess that that sort of explains a lot. But there was a guy that had the world by a string. And then wound up just being, oh my God, a, you know, a caricature very, of himself. Very, very strange person. So, up, uh, so how good? So you're on episode three of the offer. Yeah, isn't it fantastic? It is very good because I just love that sort of stuff anyway. Uh, and and like uh, Robert Evans. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know you saw the documentary. The kid stays in the picture. Yeah. I mean, that guy had the life too, didn't he? So in this movie, in this uh, the Paramount Plus, it's called the offer. It's the making ten part episode. The making of The Godfather. And uh, maybe six or seven times during the 10 episodes, I stopped it and said, well, clearly this didn't happen. And I Googled it and it happened exactly like that. Yeah. I mean, it was like the person that was wearing a red shirt, not a green shirt, but it happened exactly like that. Right. Um, I had no idea the trials and tribulations just to make the movie. Well, I mean, that's true of any movie, really. I mean, it, it, it's just you got to go through you know, eight different levels of committee, you know, to finally get it made. And even after it was made, they didn't think it was going to be a hit. No, but, you know, Francis Ford Coppola really got everything he wanted. And they let the artists make the movie, right? They let Mario Puzo write the script. They let Francis Ford Coppola direct. And even though there was a lot of push pushback, ultimately the, the studio gave them everything they wanted. And it was a masterpiece. They gave them everything they wanted because they really had no other choice. They were in so deep by this time. Well, and, no, I get uh, that. Right. And Coppola, but, and Coppola wanted to get out, but he was a, he was so much in debt. He needed the gig. Right. I mean, yeah. no, it's, it's a great story. It's a great story. It, it, um, it, it really is. Yeah. Even even I didn't. Uh, uh, the Marlon Brando, when they get to Marlon Brando, you're going to love that. Um, I don't know. It's just the, the whole thing is just from start to finish. It's just fantastic. Marlon this, Brando from Omaha, Nebraska. And the Al Ruddy guy is is still um, is still living. He's actually one of the producers of this thing. Oh, is that right? Oh, He's I didn't one know. Of the producers that. of this, yeah. And actually, uh, so you talk about doing a Google search. 
when uh, so I went and did a Google search on Al Ruddy, and this guy, I mean, yeah, he produced The Godfather. I mean, he was basically just some some punk kid that wanted to be in show business, and he wound up doing. I mean, you take a look at his uh, line of credits, and he's like ninety years old now and stuff, and he's still doing stuff. He did. Um, he did Million Dollar Baby. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did did you catch the? Uh, the quick reference in like the first episode where they're complaining about putting Clint Eastwood in the musical Paint Your Wagon. Yeah. They're like, Clint Eastwood, a musical, that'll never work. <laughs> or, or that, or that uh, uh, Robert Redford, I mean, the movie got made because uh, they got Robert Redford to be in this turd of a movie. Have you ever heard of that movie? I never heard of that no, movie. No, it was, a, it, was a, it was a turd of a movie. Haas and, Haas and Holsey or Linus and Holsey. Who knows? I looked it up. It was a re- it's a real movie. It bombed. It got, you know, terrible uh, reviews, but apparently R- Redford needed to pay off a debt or get out of a lawsuit, so yeah. They made that movie movie. Called, I just did a Google search. That movie is called Little Foss and Big Halsey. Yeah. What a terrible. But then yeah, he did The Longest Yard, which was a great movie. Uh Cannonball Run, which is a great movie. He did Cannonball Run 2, which is an okay movie. Uh but then it's down the list here, you know. Oh, hey, oh, 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 you know what movie producer Al Ruddy produced? Well, I worked with him on Ladybugs. That was what I was going to say. He produced Ladybugs. Yeah, I worked with him. Oh, he was a great guy. We all called him uh, Al. Yeah. <laughs> you never saw him. What are you talking about? You were an extra. How do, you, how do you know? I was not an extra. I was a security guard. Extras don't have parts. I had a part. Did you, did you give any lines? The world doesn't have any small parts, just small actors, okay? Uh, no, I didn't have any lines, but neither did Marcel Marceau, and he's a big star. <laughs> oh, God. You don't know how many times I wish you were like Marcel Marceau. <laughs> I didn't have any lines, but it was, it was, it was pivotal for that scene. So I was an extra... Uh, in a movie called Power, it starred Richard Gere, Gene Hackman. Um, um, oh, uh, I forget who the hot. Who the that hot actually might have been produced by um, Robert Evans. Actually, I, it might have been. I don't know. But anyway, anyways, I was in this movie, and and I was in a scene where I'm sitting next to Gene Hackman on a plane, and Gene Hackman is drunk, and wait, I'm just sitting. Next wait, to in me. the scene or in in real life? No, in, in the scene, right? Okay. So yeah. I'm sitting there in the plane, and Gene Hackman is just drunk on his ass. And I'm just sort of sitting there, right? That that scene didn't make the film. But you see me walking off the plane right in front of Gene Hackman. You see me walking off the plane right in front of Gene Hackman, right? And then they have the scene in the uh, – basically, they're on the tarmac where Gene Hackman and um, uh, Richard Gere are arguing and yelling at each other, right? I go, and I see the, the movies getting ready to come out. I am watching uh, Siskel and Ebert. They are going to review my movie, the movie that I am now going to be on the big screen. Your Not movie. only did Siskel and Ebert hate the movie, they pointed out the one scene I was in as being especially bad. <laughs> your, your movie. You know, next time I talk to uh, Gene, I'll ask him about you. Yeah, no, you know, he's hanging out in Santa Fe. I, I think he retired, actually. He, did, he retired, but he's living in Santa Fe. Yeah. I love Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman is great. He was a very, very, he was a very, very nice man. And Richard Gere wasn't too bad either, you know? Um, I actually think Robert Evans might have produced that movie. All right, yeah. we've been talking for, for 40 minutes, and a 40 minutes and a half hour podcast. Let's get to our over-under. Well, hold on a second. Well, just, you just hold on one second. Uh... Let's see, power movie. Uh, it's not the power, it's power. Sydney, Sydney Lumet, Sydney Lumet, um, yeah. uh, directed what, what, it. What, well, what, what am I thinking of? What Richard Gere movie did, did, did Robert Evans produce? I know, well, Pretty Woman, I don't know. He did not produce Officer and Gentleman. No, Cotton Club might have been Cotton Club. He, no, he, he produced a lot of them, he might have produced Cotton Club. He was old. He was definitely, he was definitely um, old school Hollywood. 
Oh, my goodness, right? That was the end of an era, right? That was a moment in time. I mean, he was uh, Rosemary's Baby. You ever seen Rosemary's Baby? Uh, years and years and years ago. Oh, my goodness. That still stands the test of time. Let me, uh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Hold on. I'm trying to find this movie, Power, right? Starring Richard Gere, Gene Hackman. And Tom Becker. And Tom Becker. Um, and when I try to do the Google search for it, there's a movie that's called The Power. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, there it is. If it was so bad, the internet won't even put it on there. Yeah. Put it on their, their Google. Um, oh, geez. I don't want to create an, I don't want to create an IMDB account. Just give me the freaking number. Oh, here's Wikipedia. That Have you ever been on Google? Have you, do you know how it works? You see the search bar there? Just by, no, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Power had nothing to do with uh, Al Ruddy. Nothing to do at all. What about Cotton Club? Who produced Cotton Club? Oh, jeez. Hold on a second. Go to the search bar and type I in. I know how this works. I don't need crap well, from you. I don't really think you do, but are you using Internet Explorer? I'm using my new iPad. I had to buy a new iPad today. My iPad shit the bed yesterday. Well, that's because you sat on your thumb. <laughs> I called back to earlier. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, so yes, it was a lousy day. Yesterday, yesterday, my bathtub drain isn't working, so I got to get a plumber out here, and they can't, of course, come in until like sometime need, in uh, you know September. Did you need um, a plunger? Huh? You need a plunger? Yeah. <laughs> That's who who produced Cotton Club? How hard can it be? Well, I went and I went and typed in Cotton Club, but what I got was the actual Cotton Club and not the movie. So I got to do another one here. Type in Cotton Club, the movie produced. I'm doing that right now. Jeez. All right. Uh, Cotton Club movie. There's Wikipedia. It's an American uh, crime drama. Blah 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 blah. And it is. Uh, well, let's see. Francis Ford Coppola did uh, do the screenplay on it. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, I didn't know. And that. it was produced by Robert Evans. Robert Evans. All right. There you go. Starring Richard Gere, Gregory Hines, Diane Lane, Lynette McKee, Bob oh. Hoskins, James Ramar, Nicolas Cage. James Ramar James Ramar got top a better billing than Nicolas Cage. Fred Gwynn was got, in that who, movie. Who got who got who got better than Nicolas Cage? Uh, 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 James Ramar. Who is James Ramar? James Ramar is an American actor. He has played Ajax in The Warriors, Albert Gans in 48 Hours, and Dutch Schultz in uh, The Cotton Club. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. Uh, by the way, a moment of silence for Diane Lane, the most beautiful woman ever produced. Well, second most beautiful. I fell in love with her in The Outsiders. Wait a minute. Wait a minute! You're 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 giving up on your girlfriend, um, Elizabeth Shue? No, I said second most. But Elizabeth Shue has not returned any of my letters in 25 years, so I'm starting to think she's she's out of she's out of my league. Yes, but when the police knock on your door and tell you to knock it off, that's that sort of counts, doesn't it? <laughs> Diane Lane, does anybody appreciate how beautiful she is? She's very beautiful. Oh my goodness! She's very beautiful, but I don't. Uh, know. I, I think my celebrity, my celebrity crush, um, would be. Um, oh geez, now I'm having to draw, draw a blank. Um, the uh, she was in Friends. Oh, uh, Nicole, um, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, yeah, yeah. Way to go out on a limb. Way to go out on a limb and really, really scratch the surface of that one. Um. Uh. Sherry, uh, she was what? Sherry, uh, Sherry, uh, Cherry Valen, Cherry Valance. Is that who she was in, um, in, uh, uh, The Outsiders, also directed by Francis Ford Coppola? I don't, I never saw The Outsiders. Oh, all right. All right. Can, uh, can we do our, uh, over under here? Yeah. Okay. You go first. All right. I got my under. I'll do my under. Uh, this is a thing where we pick stories that are, have been overhyped or underhyped. And um, I'm going to do today, we're recording this on Tuesday. And um, the, um, uh, all the oxygen has been sucked up by the January 6th um, committee hearings. But on Tuesday, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled six to three 
that Maine's law of giving vouchers to parents and then can't use in religious schools are unconstitutional. So starting now, states that have vouchers, parents can now use at religious schools. Think about that for a second and how that's going to change the world. Well, is that, yeah. If, if we were living like in a normal world, you know, you could say that that's a pretty narrow ruling because in Maine, if these vouchers were good for like areas that didn't have a high school. So people could go and use the voucher for a religious school because they had no public school choice. But now, uh, you know, and, and that would be a pretty narrow ruling. In well, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. They didn't rule. They did rule that Maine, Maine can't put that religious exemption, right? So Maine said you can't use them for religious schools. You can use them for private schools, but you can't use them for religious schools. So now the, the, the Supreme Court said, no, 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 no. You give a voucher to a parent, they can use it for a private school or a religious school. Yeah. And which means now, if the state of Missouri has a voucher program or in the future has a voucher program and they give somebody a voucher, they can use it for a private school or a religious school. And um, what, what is it? I, I don't really have a problem with that per se, as long as it's for like every religion. You know, I mean, if as long as I'm going to say, well, I'm sorry, it's a Hindu school, we can't do this, or a Buddhist school or a Muslim school, you know, and then by the way, if you want to have, you know, the the church of the church of the flying muffin school, you know, then, you know, that that could work there, too. I don't have a problem with that so much, because I think that it's every parent has a right to see that their kid gets the best education possible. Okay, I have I don't have a problem with it philosophically either. But in reality, right. You have a parent who can who can pay for a fifteen thousand dollar a year Catholic school, okay, and so gets the voucher from the uh, state for ten thousand dollars, and then pays five thousand dollars. There's your fifteen thousand um, dollar. There's your fifteen thousand dollar tuition. So it's subsidized by the state. Great. What about the inner city kid who's stuck in a failing school? gets the $10,000 voucher, but the parents can't afford the other $5,000. So the kid locked in the bad school is still locked in a bad school. But the kid who was in a decent school, now is you're subsidizing a better education for the kid who's in a decent school and still locking the kid in a bad school in a bad school. Uh, yeah, I mean, for a lot of these kids, though, I think they're like scholarships and grants available. Yeah, for some. Uh, you know, and, and, and here's the other thing, too. I mean, look, Life isn't fair. No, I get you know, life I, I isn't just, fair. And then and it's too bad that there are going to be some kids, good kids that you know really want to learn in that, that end up just getting screwed over because there's no good school in their neighborhood. I I, I I'm, I'm not I'm not arguing, school. I'm not arguing vouchers. I'm arguing that the Supreme Court ruling six to three is a huge story that got no oxygen. That's yeah, what look, I'm arguing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because today when the story broke, it was the same day that uh, these uh, blockbuster hearings. Yeah. Uh, happened on uh, Capitol Hill regarding January sixth. Yeah, which, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean we could we could argue vouchers a hundred different ways to to Sunday. And I actually think I've talked to parents whose children are locked into a failing school, and the only reason why they're locked in a failing school is because they have no political power and no financial resources to fix the problem, and that's tragic. Yeah, well, it's not the only reason, you know. Mom and dad could be on meth and, uh, you know. Not yeah, but that's not the kid's stuff. fault. That's not, the, the, the point I'm making is that if, if there was a failing school in the rich part of Omaha, it wouldn't be a failing school because the rich parents would see to it that they had a successful school. True. True. You're right. You're right. Um, I got to tell you, I don't have this. This is on bad. I don't really have a, an over and under to, uh, this week only because I have been so focused on the January 6th hearings and the Republicans' reaction to it, the silence of Republicans uh, on the Eric Greitens uh, video, the, the silence of the Republicans on all the lies that they're coming out about what Rudy Giuliani did and, and what, you know, I mean, oh my God, you know, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, that moron, you know, is trying to say that, that uh, Triumph, the insult comic, that, that dog puppet on Stephen Colbert was an insurrection. 
Yeah, they're in a part of the capital they shouldn't have been. You Actually, know, I, don't I, mean, even, I don't even think they were in the capital. I think they were somewhere else. I think like in a, in a in a in a house office or something or a senate office. Yeah, yeah I think you're in, right. They were in the you bathroom. know, and 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 it was a thing. It's like you know, they're trying to they're trying to and people buy into this. This is what scares me. You know, you talk about good schools. We need to we need to go and and, and work to make sure that people know how to critically think. Because yeah, look, should they have been in that part of the uh, the the building? No. Should they be ticketed? Yes. Should they be fined? Yes. Fine. You know, uh, you know, and Trump, should we see the comedy on Colbert? Most definitely. Okay. But at the same time, at the same time, it's not an insurrection. I mean, these people are benefiting. When I, when I started doing talk radio like 30 years ago or so, Republicans were calling my show complaining about the dumbing down of America until they realized they can benefit from it. And that's uh, it in, in a nutshell. Well, and it, just, it, it frustrates me. What I'm most offended by this Stephen Colbert story is that he stole the bit from Conan. <laughs> Isn't Triumph the insult comic a Conan bit? Yes, it is. Yeah. So actually, I'm more offended actually, by that. Yeah. But actually, it's Robert Smigel, who was a Saturday Night Live person. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I think Triumph's been, been around more than just Conan. But yeah. But hey. But I'm saying, though, Conan made him, made him huge. It's a funny. It's a funny bit. It's well, a funny bit for for you to poop on. Right, I think the on. most. I think the most overhyped story is you sitting on your thumb. I think that's the most overhyped. I didn't story. sit on my thumb. I snapped my thumb in a car door. That's that's what you told the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I I sat on my thumb, but hey, this finger's okay. Hey yo, hey yo. I'm out of here. We got things. I got things I got to do. I don't hey, know. that was a that was a 30 minute podcast that lasted 52 minutes. It's just so much fun talking to you, bro. All right, uh, are we done? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. You got anything else you want to say? No, I didn't. I had nothing to say 53 minutes ago. I know my back hurts from carrying you all throughout the show. <laughs> I'd love you. you all right, I'll see you later. Have a good Have a good day. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Bye bye. <laughs> Huda Media Production.